You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for episode 160 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Corey. Welcome back, one and all. It's just the bros this week. (laughs) Is that your air horn? Yeah, something like that. You know what? I I wish my cell phone speaker was a bit louder because my son has this horrible habit. It's really bad. Like he goes, you know the TV in our living room? Yeah. He walks right up to it and his eyes are like eight inches away from it. And we have to tell him over and over, Carter, back away from the TV. So I put this app on my phone after a while because I was tired of telling him, broken record style, get back. So I put this air phone, <laughs> air horn app on my phone, but it's just not loud enough. Like it's, it's, it's loud enough to be, what is that? But it's not loud enough to like startle you. So I deleted give you it. like permanent hearing damage no yeah i wanted something just to be like i wanted to be something that if you heard it you might soil yourself and i think (laughs) that that would probably drive the message home uh yeah that's one thing about my little guy that drives me cuckoo yeah Uh, you gotta keep on that so how you doing how was your weekend yeah it was fun man we'd uh got to meet up with you guys we did a little winter fest some uh canadian activities involving a lot of moose things of this nature uh (laughs) I don't know. I did some hiking. Well, we were in again. downtown Canada, so moose were certainly involved. Yeah, yeah, it was everywhere. It was nuts. No, you're right so. though. It was a, uh, it was a. Go- I had a good weekend. That's hanging fun, out man. with you and your, some, your guy uh, and my kids, and just out at, at Winterfest and doing that tubing down the hill and watching them just tear up the park with uh, hundreds of other ravenous and crazy children. It was a good time. Yeah, it's nuts, man. I'm still, to be honest, still kind of reeling a bit from last week's uh, disturbers, but. Uh... <laughs> What? Why? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I laughed a lot. So, uh, you and me both, and many of our listeners who who had to listen to that are still, I think, uh, in therapy. Maybe thinking about therapy, yeah. having some PTSD about that. It was uh, some some shocking shocking stuff going on in that episode. That's it. I think we're still going through the shock phase right now. I don't know if you know. I don't know for those who didn't hear that. I don't know if that should make them. If that's like sweet mercy or if that is like, boy, did you guys ever miss out? (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it was something and I loved it. And Kigo, thank you very much. I love you. Oh, Kigo, you sick, sick man. That was, that was, that's vintage Sith Disturbers right there. That is going to be one for the ages. All right. So uh, let's jump into the show proper here, Corey. Uh, We got to say congrats to Lucasfilm. And Solo, a standalone story, Star Wars story, for the Oscar nomination for Best Visual Effects. How about that? What happened there? I thought uh, they missed the boat. I don't know. I, no, I thought they were in. I don't know. I had heard something along the lines of they didn't submit their something in time. And Oh, I, th- I think that was for something else, if I'm not mistaken. But hey, look, if, you're, if any Star Wars movie is going to get the boot for not being on time, it's got to be the movie about Han Solo, who is just never on time. Yeah, I... Personally, I don't. I don't think they're necessarily going to win, but uh, it's always nice to get a nom. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's at least if if you're in there, you're in the class of excellence for that year, and that's all you can really ask for. 
What's that? What What is your best, your favorite visual effects, favorite sequence revolving around uh, effects in the movie? In any movie or well, in, in Solo? Like if you were going to say, if you were, if you were at Lucasfilm saying, this is the clip we're going to present on why we should, uh, we should, you know, go for the best visual effects a, a prize. What would it be? Hmm. Kind of, my mind goes straight to Conveyx or, uh, I mean, there's there's the Maelstrom, but yeah, no, I'm gonna go stick with the Conveyx. I I think I have to agree. Like, there's a lot of ways that could have looked cheesy, like they like like the uh like it was all green screened, but it looks flawless. It does look really good. Yeah, I think that would be the sequence, and I you know the 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 double sided train, like that is just such cool design. You know, yeah, I think, that, I think that, everything that about that just so wacky, works. man. I love them. Well, the weirder the better sometimes with Star Wars, you know? Yeah, definitely. That, that, that sequence was great. Then Emphis Nest coming in. It was it's just that's it's a great sequence. It's it's so so good. So congrats to Lucasfilm for and the uh, the team that worked on Solo's visual effects. Hope they win. Not sure they will. Um but I, if they do, it's it's well deserved, I think. But we'll see. Uh, how about uh, your collecting? Have uh, have you added any more to your uh, growing collection this week? Well, uh, you know, Kyle, you sound like, I have. you you sound like you lost it all in a bet. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I definitely don't have buyer's remorse yet. I'm still kind of riding a bit high. No, oh, what did you do? Um, anyhow, there's a, I, I've got a few things that you wouldn't really care about because it's Star Wars only now. <laughs> What? But uh, all right, I'll up, let it pass for this week. Oh, whatever. I mean, I hit up EB Games on Friday for uh, they had this thing called Five Dollar Fridays, and I don't know. I was like, really? But what it is really is they just take a certain amount of stock and throw it in a corner, and this is what's for five bucks this week. And you know, it's the first time I went, and I went super late at night, and I don't know. I, I still found like a, this awesome Captain America hat. It's like a snapback. So I don't really wear those, but it says Brooklyn, New York. Anyways, pretty sweet. I had to pick it up for five bucks. Got my kid like that, some Captain Marvel bracelet and stuff. But I also found uh, – it wasn't in the $5 pile, but it was on discount for 20 bucks. was Kira, which I don't know. I always – I didn't like that toy that much, man. Like it's the younger Kira. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but like, like when are we going to get the older Kira? Yeah, seriously. Like I've been kind of holding out and I was like, OK, whatever. And this is from a line I very distinctly remember saying on the show that, you know, uh, yeah, I think Han, Han and Lando, maybe Chewie should be enough representation for this film with the Black Series. And I'll just call the line there. Yes. Yeah, so no, I think I'm at like nine or ten figures later for this one film. <laughs> no kidding. Like I, I have zero Black Series figures from from Solo and I think I'm going to have to keep it. No, actually, I have the Range Trooper, but I. I think I can compartmentalize. Trooper. Oh, I don't think I counted that. <laughs> I, I, I compartmentalize that differently as part of my Imperial Stormtrooper subsection of my Black Series set. But you're right. Like I was like, man, every single solo Black Series figure looks outstanding. I need Solo. I need Lando. Rio. They all Beckett, they all look so good. But then I just I did the quick math. You know, thirty five bucks a pop times eight or nine figures. What are you talking about there? You know, it's it's three hundred bucks. 
Yep. So I said, you know what? Forget it. So I didn't bite on any of the sales. It's but just... then you got to throw in Emphy's Nest. Well, right. I do. I've got Emphy's Nest. That's right. But I've, you know, again, I, even that one as as a vehicle that I would display, I I can put that one in a separate section of my collection as well, and not it's not lined up with the rest of my Black Series figures on the shelf. So yeah, I think the solo figures are kind of gonna just pass through the night for me. I don't think I'm gonna grab anything anything from that movie in Black Series. Yeah, that Rio Durant was just too goddamn cool. Uh, I don't know. I love them all. All of them look so great. The face sculpts on them, or the molds, whatever you want to call them. Awesome. You know, so I'm not too too disappointed. I I still haven't seen three and three quarter figures of most of the the uh, the characters from the, from the movie. Really? Well, actually, I, I, you're I, right. I've, I've seen Han, but he was packaged. He's with the Force Link, uh, wrist thingy. Uh, or he's with the Falcon, which I wasn't going to buy. Lando is packed with a Kessel Guard, mm-hmm. which Mike Russo picked up this weekend. Uh, if I see I saw, it on sale, I, saw like I might five... do it. I saw a five pack this week. I forget who was in there. I think Lando. Uh, Christ, I can't remember. I saw it today as well. Where the sand crawlers when you need them? Uh, <laughs> on, on Star Wars, but yeah, no individuals. Um, yeah, what no else? No individual ones. Uh, I, well, I have I Chewie. I've got Kira, but that's it from the movie. And Chewie, I got, I have because it's Chewie. Kira, I bought. Just because, but I think my daughter is is pretty much assimilated that one, and that's it, man. Like, it's it's not been impressive. I haven't seen a Rio three and three quarters, and the longer we go, I I doubt that I will. I'm just hold, yeah, I'm holding out hope so for it, man. I'm just waiting for uh, a vintage collection Rio that will be sick. Yeah, that would be nice. That's got to come at some point because I you know I, I was swearing up and down. Before Solo came out, I'm going to have the world's foremost Rio Durant collection and the rest of you can bite me. Don't at me. All I have is like the Funko. <laughs> you got to get that six chance. There's still one close by near your place. It's yeah. worth it. There's no, no, my Walmart doesn't have. No, the one in Vaudreuil. Yeah, it's, that's a detour for me. <laughs> it's not that far. <laughs> Either way, it doesn't end there, bro. It does not end there. You, you wouldn't believe what I saw finally Oh, today. you're still going. Oh, yeah, oh, it's boy. on. Yeah, I went out there today uh, just to go pick up a head of lettuce. I'm like, I'm just going to go peruse. Star Wars lettuce? Because that Something exists like that. too. <laughs> no, not, didn't have not the a sticker. joke. Yeah, the Star Wars bananas, all of it. <laughs> so anyway, stupid. this was bananas. I'm like, get there with my kid, and then I, I just see it. All of the resistance figures. No. Yeah, man. They've landed. They've landed. You're supposed to tell me these things. Yeah, they're still there because um, all of them are still there because I didn't even pick up a one. Oh, man. This is Toys R Us out our way? No, this is uh, Walmart Cornwall. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were nice, bro. Those Real are nice. nice figures. Yeah, I, I gave them all up because right smack dab beside them were the Archive Black Series. Wow. Oh. Yeah, man. Bosk, IG-88, Boba Fett. I snagged them all, man. You did it? Oh, you did it? I did it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Are you opening? Uh, Not yet. I but, have a boss. What about X-Wing Luke? Did you buy your X-Wing Luke Black Series? This is your chance. It was right there. And you know what? He got left behind, bro. Why? <laughs> Why would like, you do that? 
X-Wing Luke, it's like uh, like I almost have like a mental block on him now. I was like, you know what? If I can't have you this, if I can't Luke. have Kyle's, I'm not having him. Yeah, I was like, sit on the shelf, X-Wing Luke. <laughs> <laughs> there could only be one. Oh, dude, you got to buy, you got to get that. Well, like, honestly, there was probably like, I think he must have been the premier uh, dude in that pa- in that box, because I think there was like three at least of him, one Boba, several IGs, one Bosk. Wow. Yeah, man. So I was just like, I'm not waiting. Well, the and price Boba, on those course, is a little, is it, are they a little bit less than the regular Black Series or are they still 24 or 20, 29 is usually is the regular price for us, correct? Uh, you're correct. And these and ones they, are 29 they, as well? Correct. Sons of bitches. God. That's ridiculous, man. Well, I guess, whatever. I can't be That's surprised. That's pretty sweet, though. So now I got quite a few of the uh, the bounty hunters. I'm pretty happy with that. I have the original Bosk, too, that I bought at that convention last year. Uh, what else? I got Zuckus. Um, that yeah that, well you know what though if you're gonna have the all the uh, the classic bounty hunters like it's gonna it's gonna look goofy to have them all sort of uh you know like mixed packagings you're gonna have to open them open them all see how it goes i don't know do it you gotta you gotta crack them all open build yourself a little diorama stop pressuring me come on <laughs> this is delicious tea oh, this is delicious beer <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're, you're gonna have to keep it in check tonight. Um, it's just, it's yeah. just me and you. We'll be all right, I think. Uh, I, you know what? I I broke the slump. I have something to add to the collection this week. Ooh, you saw it. Don't act surprised. Hmm. <laughs> I know. I I get it. I know. Uh, I finally bought a vintage Lando Calrissian Burger King glass. Oh yeah. Well, that was wasn't that it was beautiful condition huh it was smooth that's a nice way to put it yep so i've added that to my fleet of burger king vintage glasses i love those glasses man i just love them there's they're so each and every one of them are just so nice Uh, i i wish it's one of these things that I, i wish we had more of that kind of collectible today you know like these some of them are 40 plus years old now you know, like, do you think we'll be, and like, we still talk about them. Like, do you think we'll be talking about the, the, those cheap flimsy 2015 subway cups in 25, 30 years from now? Uh, they do have, hold a certain amount of uh, nostalgia as well. Like I think of them in my head and kind of rings that bell a bit, but no, those, those glasses are just sweet, man. Yeah. Of course this is not nostalgia talking, but there's something much more special about those Burger King glasses than those sub flimsy subway cups for sure. And you can make like nice displays for them quite easily as well. If you like drill like holes and put some lights beneath them and stuff, man, it could be really nice. Yeah. I mean the, the painting on them is, is great. I, I just, I can't get over those things. They're all so nice. I, I wish I had the posters for them to, to go with it. Like I would frame each and every one of those and get them up on the wall. But yeah, like I wish, again, I wish we had something like that today. And, you know, in one way, I'm glad that we don't have to go rushing out to X fast food joint to pick up some collectible and, and fill my face with delicious but terrible fast food. But I, they, they are kind of classic, timeless collectibles, I think. You know yeah, but I mean? it's still plastic. It's not, there's something but glass. Well, and glass. that's it too. Like, 
these things have made it 35, 40 years. And I'm really lucky in that I have, so there's there was four yeah, four glasses per OT movie. So it's a collection of 12. And I'm really lucky in that I'm at six now. I'm halfway there. All six that I have are as close to mint as, as they can get. That's sweet. So, you know, they weren't really drank out of too much or thrown in the dishwasher too often. No, like the guy I met uh, who was selling them, he goes like, I, I found these at my parents' house. They've been up on the shelf since we got them. He's like, we've never drank from these. And, and you look at them. For sure, like they're, they're, the colors are still absolutely br- vibrant. There's no scratches on the glass. There's no fogging. It's they're crystal clear. The it's it they're spotless. I can't believe it. So yeah, I I just wish there was more of that kind of thing going on today. Like, do we have? Am I am I crazy? Like, is there something like that? That in, mm. you know when, when we're old in our rocking chairs, look at these from the early Disney era of Star Wars. Do you remember collecting those? I can't think of anything, dude. Like maybe uh, I know that the the uh, the place where Mr. Bradley W. Hall goes, like Alamo, Alamo. Help me out here. Steakhouse or I don't know. yeah, something, I can I can, I can never remember house. Something, something like house. that. Yeah. Like he goes there, and they had glasses for the Last Jedi. Maybe those, but they're not widespread enough, right? Like it's they're not mainstream enough. Not, not enough people are, are aware of those things. Alamo Draft House. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, again, I really wish there was something of that ilk that we could go around collecting. So remember the, the yeah. prequel era, right? There was those uh, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, KFC. Subway, no. So, uh, it's uh, maybe Subway had something going, but it was, it was KFC, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. Like those were the three that had those toys that came in the, in that like really flimsy cube packaging. But on the back was like that puzzle of the uh, battle of Naboo. Hmm. But you know, they were crap toys. There, you know, there's, there's no value to those toys whatsoever. Both, both from like a monetary standpoint and like nostalgia, like they're just, bleh. I don't, I could care less for them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, what? What? Maybe there was like the the Jar, the Jar Jar Binks and Battle Droid KFC bucket toppers. Anybody still care about those? No, I'm good. <laughs> Crickets. Insert cricket effect here. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That that's something that just to me it feels like at a point like already looking at this stuff like, ah uh, man, like I have boxes and boxes, man, like stored away and like lately like. I've been putting like some of my son's stuff out and then like I've bought in a few things. So I'm just like, oh, instead of bug boxing them, I'll just put them out a bit, you know, because he gets kicked out of it. And it's like piling up really quick. <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow, like where's this stuff all going to eventually go? Like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> 2019, baby. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, hey, there's our collecting update. It took a lot longer than I thought it would. Corey, doing it again, going all the way. Yeah, I had to pull the trigger, man. So what's next? Are you are you going to do those uh, resist- resistance figures or are you going to hold off? I asked my kid how he felt about them because, you know, me, I think it'll be all right. You know, I can let him open them. That'll be fine. 
if he really wants them, I don't just want him to buy them because I want him to have them or whatever, you know. You want him to want them. When he saw them, he was kind of freaking out, but he had a choice today, actually. I, I, he's totally into collecting Funkos now, too, but he, he chose uh, over the resistance. He chose Parzival from Ready Player One Funko. Interesting. Yeah. No, he's really into this that movie. thing. Yeah, he loved it, man. Like, eh, I wanted to do his thing, too, man. Yeah, well, for sure. You gotta, yeah, don't impose on your kid. Whatever you do, parents out there, don't, you know, don't impose. At some point, they'll rebel. And if your kids ever rebel against Star Wars, then what are you gonna do? Yeah, that's that's a cardinal sin in my books. So I, you know, I gotta make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, all right, so there's the there's the collecting update. Uh, let, let's, Huge. Do you, have you seen the uh, Galaxy of Adventures figures? Not yet. I know what you're talking about, but I uh, I have not seen them in stores yet. I was, I was figuring if I, these guys were out there that maybe, the, you know, they would be with them. But uh, after a quick scout around, or there was they were not to be seen. I have not seen them either. But then again, you know my Walmart. It's, uh, <laughs> it's they're still sitting on the same stock of Black Series figures. It's the Walmart that was forgotten. It's incredible. I'm so disappointed. But you knew that already. So is everybody else. So I won't dwell. Uh, let's stick with Resistance here. Let's uh, talk about some titles and synopsis for some upcoming Resistance episodes. Because you know what? We've been forsaken again this week by Lucasfilm. There's no news, man. It's dry. The well is dry. You'd think that in a year like this, that we just would be scrambling to try and figure out what to talk about and what had to get cut because there's just too much. But we've got nothing. I think the only thing to really say in news-wise is, and the articles out there keep kind of belaying the same thing. Security around this film and the secrets around this film are so tight, and I love it. They really are. I mean, John Boyega posted another thing to Instagram this week. Did you see that? Uh, Yeah, with the troopers there. A couple of stormtroopers, and if you looked in the back- background, there was an X-Wing. And... I think it was Mr. McDowell, James McDowell from Powerful Friends Group. He suggested, and I bel- I agree with him, that that's not a Resistance Era T-70 X-Wing. I think that's an old Rebellion T-65, which I think is really interesting. I, we could be wrong, but it sure looked like a Rebellion Era X-Wing to me. Hmm. That'd be pretty cool. So I don't know what that says, if anything, but you know, dusting off the old war horses, that would be cool. Um. But anyway, nothing much to mind there. So uh, with Resistance, the only thing we got newsworthy this week, some titles and synopsis, uh, which I which we were lucky enough to get from TheForce.net. So next week's episode, Sunday, February 3rd, called The First Order Occupation. Kaz scrambles to help Sonara escape the platform as the First Order sends a contingent of stormtroopers to hunt a spy. Da, da, da. Care to speculate? You know what? Um, I've actually saved this like spoiler free till this moment. So I'm only reading these as we speak. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting, man. I think words kind of gotten around about uh, about Kaz. He hasn't exactly been too good at covering himself up there or being too going in- incognito. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. You know, the stormtroopers are really starting to probably going to get a hold on that place shortly. The Colossus. And I'm just curious as to why it's so important. Okay, like, uh, maybe they're really out there, you know? Yeah. Well, the Galaxy's Edge, you know? 
Yeah, well, the thing that jumped into my mind is, like, would it be too much to suggest that Kaz has it all wrong, and he's the spy the First Order is looking for? I was thinking the same thing. Like, yes, Sonara, well, but she's working with the First Order, technically. I guess, right? Because, she, yeah, she's reporting into that uh, Quarren guy. Who I yeah, think the guy is... from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> is that where he's from? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and he's reporting into the First Order, correct? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I have I've I haven't the last couple episodes I've been I've been dragging my heels on. And uh yeah I almost get it more of a kick just reading the synopsis than I do reading watching the episodes, which is not I'm not slamming the show. Uh but I I like the speculation here. Uh so mm, I have to say that the show is kinda I find it dragging its heels a bit as well, man. Like I, I feel like we can get a little more info well we're waiting right we're we're waiting this this happened with rebels too to be not fair. so much in the no. first season like at this point I, I feel like we've gotten a little more meat as to where we're going and like this i don't know it's still very i don't know the episodes are still very fluffy fun and but and cool and all that like i get it and i get again it's, i don't think this is gonna be a show that's as adult as rebels was in a way well, I mean, we'll see what happens after Starkiller. We'll see if, if we'll see if this thing takes a drastic turn in tone. What about those kids too? I just want to mention that as well. Like, and we haven't had a chance to talk about that, but they were in a recent episode, and uh, the girls having visions, which I found very interesting, especially yeah, seeing as how the First she's... Order was uh, looking for her. Yeah. Spoiler alert: Ayla seems to be uh, force sensitive. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is that is kind of cool. So we we've got uh, Broom Boy and Ayla. Hmm. Little force sensitives running around out there. Um, yeah. So part of me thinks that this is this, and this would be classic resistance to this, if we can call resistance classic at this point, uh, for Kaz to be completely wrong and thinking that Sonara is the one he's got to protect when it's he himself who's the target all along. That would be a very Kaz thing to have happen. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. A lot of people don't like him, but I, I I find him likable. Yeah, for sure, he's a good guy. I mean, he's he's a dope. I mean, he's out of his element. I don't know how and why Poe decided that. Yeah, you're you'd make a good spy. Like I know it's because it's reasons. Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, I know that's, but that's not a legitimate reason to stake your interest in a guy. It's almost like if you really think about it, it's like Poe's a real sleazer. Like, hey kid, we're just recruiting it. anyone at this point. We just need someone. Okay, Bo. Well, you're it, a hero. It, it, it says you're you're super expendable. So go spy, and if they kill you, well, uh, you know, no hey, big kid. loss. We didn't invest anything in you. You seem really naive. <laughs> Want to meet Princess Leia? <laughs> uh, Sunday, February tenth, the new trooper. When Kel and Ayla seek out Kaz's help after knocking out a stormtrooper. Kaz dons the trooper's armor to protect the kids and spy on the First Order. And there it is, Corey. I've been waiting for this. The old Star Wars trope of, of the hero donning stormtrooper storm armor to get the job done. Why not? You had to know yeah, that but... was coming. Hey, it's not a trope. It's of course it one is. one of the Empire's many downfalls. Ah, oh, come on, man. Like, at some point. wounds, man. At some point, guys, patch up your security. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They just don't learn. They do not learn these people. It's unbelievable. I wonder if they, you know, what's that movie 
where those guys they accidentally kill a hooker. <laughs> oh, very bad things. Yes. <laughs> Love that movie. This is the this is the uh, resistance equivalent of very bad things where Kel and Ayla kill us a, a hooker stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> they need Kaz's help to cover it up cover up the mess. Oh boy. Wow. I think Kigo's di- permanently warped my thought process. <laughs> yeah, seriously there. Kigo <laughs> Uh Sunday, February seventeenth, the core problem. Poe and Kaz make an unsettling discovery, Hooker Stormtrooper dead, and must <laughs> evade the First Order when they are spotted by an enemy probe droid. Oscar Isaac returns as Poe Dameron. And to me, it's, this sounds like that episode where Kaz and Poe find that broken star system that has no sun. We saw that in, in the uh, mid-season trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I got on that one. I, I think that's this is when things are going to start to get serious. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like I could totally see Poe or uh, Kaz like, what kind of thing could have done this, Poe? <laughs> and then Poe would have been like, I don't know, kid. <laughs> like, I'm going to write Lucasfilm and say, if, if Christopher Sean ever calls in sick, we got the replacement right here. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. And then su- Sunday, February 24th, The Disappeared. Kaz and Tora investigate the disappearance of a friend and plan to free them from the First Order. You got anything to uh, speculate on here? Uh, yeah, I can't even see who it would be. Maybe, uh... I don't know. Like, I, I don't even care to speculate on, on which friend is missing. I hope it's not, uh... What's his name? Ah, Jaeger? No. Niku? The green guy. Me? Yeah, Niku, sorry. Like Niku. Yeah, I, well, Nico, I thought Niku was a little bit too needy with that uh, that little fish monster from a couple weeks ago. I loved him. Let it let it go, Niku. Well, he thought he was protecting him. <laughs> Remember, he thought he wanted to get eaten, and then he realized what was happening. And then he chomped down that gorg at the end. <laughs> it's my my. I think my daughter Rick has talked about this before about uh, his son well actuallying him. My daughter. Well, actually, me. <laughs> we were talking about it. And I didn't know. I couldn't remember what those little, you know, those little edible beasts are in uh, resistance. Those things they eat all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah well, the little bitey things. Yeah, the biteys. Bitey. <laughs> so do it in the Kaz voice. Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. Bitey. <laughs> Don't wiggle your fingers. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't think of the name. It was in my head somewhere, but it wasn't coming out. And Harley just goes. Uh, they're called Gorgs. I'm like, whoa, okay, kiddo. She's she's absorbing. Good. You're like, good. Very good. Like, and she's like thinking about how there can only be two. And then she wants to be the master. Therefore, she'd have to kill you at one point. Give her another couple weeks. <laughs> Kid's getting stronger by the day. Uh, all right. So that's it. That is us. Uh, doing some weak speculation on resistance, but I, I am looking forward to getting to these uh, these later episodes and starting to get to the to the core of the matter here. So let me get this straight though: this February twenty fourth episode, it's not the end of the season, right? That's no, it doesn't look like few it. Episodes, okay, it good. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think I I don't know how many episodes we're getting, but that's only going to be what episode fifteen or so. <sighs> I want to say there's there's upwards of twenty. Maybe 22 in this season. 
I want to get slammed hard, man. Like toward the end of the season, I really hope it does take a bit of a turn. And especially now, we've heard word that this is going to play right in through or after the Last Jedi. Yeah, I find that really interesting. Um, I I don't know if if Star Killer is going to be the last episode of the season, and we sort of just cut season one right there. The, the The Senate's gone, all that stuff, or if we get that sooner. And then we travel into the Last Jedi timeline and, and beyond within season one of Resistance. Because there, there's that line, right, from from Kaz in the trailer saying, we are the Resistance now. And in, in having time to think about that, or maybe overthink it, I wondered if if it's possible that when Kaz says, We're, we, we are now the Resistance, is that because they're one of the places that perhaps got Leia's distress call from Crate? But obviously they were not able to re- respond because it seems like the Colossus was under attack itself. So I wonder if, if Kaz is thinking, well, the Resistance just got annihilated on Crate. We're now the Resistance. So we'd be like right at the end of The Last Jedi and at, at that section. I wonder if that's possible. What do you think? I think that's a really interesting theory. Like I was thinking more, if anything, that would play into season two. And I was kind of thinking more after like the Hosnian Prime incident that happening. But Everything happens so closely together for the most part. I mean, we don't have like a number of days or weeks that transpire as of yet. But it could very, very well be that, you know, getting the distress call. Like, I think that's really interesting. And then again, like no one shows up. Yeah, because again, like Poe is going to disappear from the show at some point along with BB-8. But we don't know when that is. True. And you would think, oh, that'd be pretty interesting. Because when he does come, you would think... He's going directly to Lor Santeca, no? I think so. That's I, that's got to be covered in in the comic book, but I'm not uh, I'm not the expert on that series. Well, they'll, they'll probably hopefully they'll touch on it in the show too. Like I got to take BBA kid. Like I I hope they I hope they weave that together with Kellen Ayla's story because I'm convinced that Lor Santeca may have stopped there as well where those kids live and that's like the first order is always like two steps behind Lor Santeca and they're just, he, they're just trashing every place that he was at as they, as they look for the map and they finally catch up with him on Jakku cool that's that, pretty cool theory that, that's my theory with that and so when when they trash whatever wherever place Kel and Aylor are from but they're from the, they're from the unknown regions didn't they give a planet name yeah, but they did. But then they start discussing and they're like, we don't know that planet. And they're like, must be from the unknown regions, basically. They say that. True. Anyway, little connective feathers there that uh, I like to see come together. Uh, all right. So uh, where are we going next? All right. So that's it. I mean, really, that, that's it for the news, if you want to call that news. But uh, I'm looking forward to the end of Resistance here. And I, I think it'd be really bold of them to cross over into the post uh, The Last Jedi timeline with Runway still to go in, in season one. I think that would be really cool of them. I don't know if they'll do it. I, I tend That's not something they would normally do. Like they might, to me, in my mind, they would save that for the fall and season two premieres. And we are, they just start laying some tiny, tiny little hints about uh, the post Last Jedi timeline. But we'll see. Yeah, I would have. I have. I would have to figure this season's gonna end with Star Killer. Yeah, uh, that seems na- like a natural endpoint, but that would be so anticlimactic because we know, right? True. 
But anyway, we that, don't know. we'll see. It's a show about the Colossus and those guys, so it, it would have to something pretty major would have to happen with that crew. They can't just be like Star Killer destroyed the system. Oh no! Series like season over. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's put that aside for now. We'll touch back on Resistance at a later point. Uh, let's talk about our good friend Corey. Let's talk about uh, Uncle Sheev Palpatine. Like, what, gear. <laughs> what is your headcanon on this guy? Like beyond what we kind of sorry kind of know about this guy. Like going back to his youth and his young adult life. Like what levers and buttons do you think he pushed in order to get everything swinging in his favor? Like when did he get his ambitions for galactic domination, Sith leadership, all that stuff? Like how does it work in your mind? I don't know. I, I kind of feel like he went down that path like almost as a result of being like bullied at school or something like that, you know, or rejected by a girl. Oh, yeah. Well, that's he, that is a a, a se- not a semi canon thing, but that is a thing they played with, right? For the uh, damn. I think the Star Wars Underworld Underworld series. Part of the plot for that was that Palpatine, it w- would have been made known that Palpatine was was dumped by this really cold-hearted girl. And that would have been like the catalyst for him to uh, become this evil guy. And I think that sucks. I think that is so stupid. Yeah, the the, the girl thing, that's a trope, man. Like, uh, I wouldn't want to see she that. She broke my heart. Now you're all going to pay like that. Oh, it's, it's kind of funny, though, if you look at it, like, from the Carrie style, you know, like, kid walking down the hallway, super hard worker. I'd cons- either see him being, like, the parent, uh, the kid of, like, rich kids or, like, an orphan, like, either or rich, rich parents or, like, an orphan. Either way. But, like, you know, getting his book slapped out of his hands, being, like I said, being rejected a lot. And possibly at one point, you know, like, in his adolescence, uh, his powers manifest himself and he kills the whole school kind of deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, ooh, what's going on here? Yeah, but, there's some dark tendencies for you. <laughs> but again, like I don't, I don't know where it all began. I don't know if he he has like they've ever explained his parentage or whatever. But all I, I almost, all we know about him is that he was like on his own from a very young age, so basically orphaned. But what, it seems so weird because he's from Naboo, right? And it seems like such an idyllic place. Like it seems odd to me that this guy, the embodiment of pure evil in Star Wars came from Naboo. Like it's, it, I just, I have a hard time reconciling that. And that's nobody's fault. It's a, the force works in mysterious ways. And I, like, honestly, when I think of Palpatine, that's the way I think about it, man. Like, like maybe possibly he killed his own parents. You know what I mean? Like realizing there was something dark inside him. Like he needed to just eliminate them to be able to grow. That like, I like. That so I do like, like. Like something along those lines, like the one thing that, for me, like a through line for Palpatine uh, that leads right up into his downfall is a lot of his path always seems predestined. Like one of his great strengths and powers is his like cognitive abilities. Whereas like he's always being like, I have foreseen it, you know, like he always seems to be really attuned to the force and playing that dangerous game, you know, where sometimes visions aren't necessarily what they seem. And in, Ultimately, it backfires in his face. But for the most part, I think he plays that game where he's able to see the future a little bit and play his cards right. 
Yeah, yeah, like he, for me, he's he's one of the most fascinating characters in Star Wars. Like, and again, we we don't know a lot about his backstory beyond you know about the prequels. Like the that that's in in a big way sort of like the the backdrop of the prequels was was how he hoodwinked the whole galaxy. But by then, he's already in his mid fifties, right? So like, yep. there's still fifty years before that for us to to explore if if they choose to do that. And, and definitely bided his time. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess unlike Snoke, or or much much less so than Snoke, I guess, like I I would personally like to see how Palpatine came to be, but clearly, like I want to be very clear, like I don't want to be in a position where they humanize him and we have to sympathize with them. Yeah, he's got to be evil from the get go. Yeah, yeah, like I I don't want to be asked to feel bad for this guy at any point in his life. Like I, I want this kid to feel like privileged right off the onset. Like yeah. be like, I am like chosen, predestined to rule the galaxy, and this is how I'm gonna do it, like step by step. Something like that. Like, even if they decide to show him as like a three year old, you should have like have him like twisting the to- the head off his toys. Yeah, or his animal, his pet, his pet. Uh... Like just show this kid as being like a violent wreck from from the get go. Like I, I want him to be evil to his core, and I just I just don't want to have to feel sympathy for him. Almost like you know, like uh, Monty Burns. We get yeah. <laughs> we get flashbacks to his childhood, and it's it all went wrong because I, I forget the whole story, but I, I remember watching it and being like, "Oh man, like he's not really he was he was just mistreated." I don't want that for Palpatine at all. Right? That's so, gonna be like he's he's gonna be like that evil baby. Yeah, there's just something wrong with the guy from the start. Like he just some dark power just corrupted him from the start. And, and again, this, this again tying into that uh, the woman that broke his heart and he went down a dark path. Like and also again, like put it this way, like killing his own master. He did have a master at one point, so there is that equation or that variable to put into the equation. Where obviously the master most likely that's what they do. They they play on your. Your emotions, and, yeah. yeah. Oh wait, wh- on the woman part, let's. Let, what if, what if they made her a Jedi? What if they made him like Palpatine, this young guy who had these dark tendencies? Right, he knew it. Everybody knows it. This guy's this guy's a little bit unhinged, but maybe he's salvageable. Now we're we're doing the humanizing thing, and I don't want it. But it, would it be interesting if he's with this woman, and she's a Jedi? And then, I guess that kind of makes it a little more interesting. And then she, at some point, she just says, "You know what? We can't do this. I'm a Jedi. You seem a little bit twisted. I'm going back to the Order." And and uh, that would uh, at least give a motivation to hate the Jedi. I don't know if it's, it's like a, an obscurial. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I still don't think I like that. But at least it's a little more interesting if she's a Jedi. Yeah, kind of. Or maybe like she's a Jedi and she doesn't even necessarily know that he's like force sensitive, you know? He's that good at masking, like good God, like he's he's the Supreme Chancellor, man, like and no one knows, you know, like he's obviously like very good at putting up a shield around himself. Well or... yeah, for sure. Well as, as and at some point like again, I think the only canon fact about him is that Plagueis approached him at some point in his youth and took him on as a as an apprentice. Right, but what 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 did Plagueis take on? Like, was he taking on an already dark, spirited person? 
or is it similar to the Kylo Ren thing where he took he you know somebody who was vulnerable or you know again it was it's that that innate darkness that he chose to feed and stoke well again there's always the force that takes its place in this as well i think there's it's always a variable like people say like oh because reasons but for the most part yes like the wills of the force like i don't know like again palpatine kind of seemed to follow them religiously it could have been the same thing with Plagueis as well like just saying like oh this kid's special like i need to teach him you know yeah like did like i, I really want to know if, if palpatine always had the ambition to dominate you know what i mean or or Again, was he was he corrupted? Seemingly with with every other dark sider, that... but you don't seem like just like again like being the uh, you know slowly growing to outgrow the master and like reading and doing his research and then finally realizing like hmm like to to defeat my master I pretty much need to kill him like it's written right here. <laughs> well, it's that whole Sith thing, right? It's, it's it's what are you doing reading that book? I told you to never go on that one. <laughs> Those are my books. <laughs> That's uh... the secret section. That's a no. It says 18 plus here, sir. Get out. Um, yeah, I, 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 that, I mean, there's two sides to Palpatine, right? There's, there's the force side where he's at, he's one, at one point, the apprentice craving the power. And there's, there's the political side where, get, where clearly he's craving that power. But we know from uh, the Tarkin novel that eventually his, his ambition is to be able to control reality itself. Like he, it, that's ambitious. Like, yeah, that goes way beyond anything we ever explored in the movies, right? Like, we just thought that, hey, the Empire just wants to dominate, and Palpatine seemed pretty content just being top dog. Well, you know what? Uh, that's a, that's a almost a feasible goal, but my, my good boy Blueberry Bridger pretty much stopped him because had he asked, like gotten control of those temples and the world with between worlds like pretty much would have been able to control reality so if you look at it from that standpoint like god damn man like those those are some pretty dire circumstances <laughs> yeah i think that goes a little bit unnoticed because not at all i don't think enough people know that palpatine was really looking for that power to control reality it's, it's just a little thing mentioned within the, the tarkin novel which I don't know how many people read, to be honest, but it's it's certainly in there, and it's it's threw me for a loop because I was like, whoa, like I never well, got the recent, any recent, of this. Re- the recent reveals in the Darth Vader comic. I don't want yeah. to spoil anything either. Yeah, but, uh, I'll do that with Michelle maybe later this week. But uh, man, I know that as, changes as, things, as if man. as if people <laughs> didn't already know. Oh, come on, that's you. I can argue about this with you. Don't open that, that that can of worms. Well, maybe maybe you'll come on and join us then. You have to be the the uh, tiebreaker. Some some I don't know. That just uh, muddies the waters even more. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that final issue I think was uh, somewhat of a mind bender. We'll leave it at that. Um, but on, on the political side, if you think about it, like it's not like he could just be mean to people and become chancellor. Right, like he, if you're gonna climb a political ladder, it's because people like you. Oh, he's so likable in the first one. He's like, oh, Padme. But yeah, but he's already there, right? So back, back it up, twenty years, twenty five years before that. For sure, it's the charade, so, the charade. But what did he do to get there? That's what I'm interested in. Like, did he 
how did he gain the people of Naboo's trust? Like he had to have done good things for these people. Well, that, like, that's what we get really res- good things. That's what we get respect almost a villain of that caliber in the sense that, you know, up to the wee hours of the evening at the night, he's studying with his master, learning all these dark secret things. But by day, he's still got to go about his, this is the plan. This is how I'm going to execute my plan and do it with diligence and like be the best in my class and be number one and succeed at everything I do and put on this, again, this, this facade. Like shake hands and kiss babies, right? Yeah, man. But he's like, and that's what I mean. Like he's doing, a, he, at some point he had to be doing objectively good things where people go like, that is a leader. That is a guy who cares. Let's make yeah. him senator of this planet to represent he, he, us on Coruscant. This guy had the loophole things for sure. He'd be like, just, uh, you, uh, you sign that for me in my name. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, and, and, and that's one of the questions I have about Palpatine is depending on which avenue Lucasfilm would eventually take with his backstory if they give it to us if they go the humanizing route when he was doing these objectively good things was it conflicting him you know what i mean does that make any sense like like if he's drilling fresh water holes for wells for uh people of naboo somewhere on whatever you know what i mean just doing good oh, things oh, god like i'm sorry man if he's doing good things like are they is he conflicted going Oh, this this kind of feels right, but no, no, no. I gotta I gotta stick to the plan. My master said to do this. Like, what do you think? Was he just like, no, this is just part of my long con. This is in the yeah, grand man. scheme of things. This is just a step on the ladder. So these people will be happy. Their happiness will be temporary. Soon, I will rule them all. Yeah, to, honestly, it's it's a really played out theme. To be honest, like uh, I don't want to see him being conflicted. I want to see him resolute in what he needs to do, and just do it to a T. Like just be playing these three or four different characters that he needs to be to get through. We've seen it. It's Anakin's story. You know, like we don't need another conflicted Palpatine. I don't want to feel for him. If anything, we should be meant to feel more like a monster so we could sympathize more with Anakin. Because what we have of him in the prequels, like we know, like everything he was doing when he was pretending to be good, it was really, it was really what we were just saying. Like it's just the step in the ladder. It was just part of his game, right? It was but so I, deep, man. But I, yeah, it was, it was a long con. Everybody bought it. Everybody swallowed the the bait. But I, I do wonder if at some point earlier in his life, was he conflicted? And I, I don't want, again, I don't want to have to feel that conflict in him. I don't want to be like, ah, oh, dude, you if you had just done this or, you know, maybe you could have done gone down a different path. I want, like you, Corey, I want to feel like this guy was just rotten to the core from day one. Have you, Annie, ever experienced true love? I saw an angel once. <laughs> uh, and I guess like here's one of the dangers, I think, of, of expanding the Star Wars galaxy. Like, to this point, like, there's nothing good about Palpatine, nothing worth redeeming about him. And, like, he's, I to me, he's still, like, the gold standard of evil. But if we keep spinning out trilogies and expl- exploring different timelines, which I think we will at some point... It's not like the creatives can whip up a character that they would describe as, oh, he's kind of like Palpatine. He's 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 smart. He's devious, and uh, but he's not he's not quite as ruthless. Like that, you're underselling your character, right? And like that, that's also not how movies are made. Like they all, the bad guy always had the big bad. Always, ha- they always have to make 
things bigger and better and more entertainment and that, like that's the way movies go. So for a few, like for if if Ryan goes through with this trilogy, whether it's the future or the past, whoever is the big bad in his movies, can they be worse than Palpatine? From a certain point of view, yeah, really, like we have no idea where the movie's gonna start, begin. Like possibilities are kind of endless to create a villain. I so. I just I feel like Palpatine needs a big enough swath on the timeline where you say like that guy's an all-timer. Like, there's, what, 25,000 years or something on, on the Star Wars timeline? Maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe more? Like, I feel like for the thousand years of the the Republic era, I don't think... I think Palpatine should be the worst of, of them all. And that, that includes Darth Bane, Darth Plagueis. We can throw Snoke in there in the mix. Oh, yeah, for sure. He won, man. If there were ever an MVP of Sith them... It's got to be Palpatine. Like I, I it's got to be. <laughs> we should not. I don't think we should go muddying Palpatine's legacy. Like, and so, if we ever get like Darth Bane in a movie, from an entertainment span- standpoint, it's got to be. It'd have to be more uh, uh, like grander. I don't know if that's a you know. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, man. I, I, <laughs> the guy would like, look I, super badass. And the, I, could, I could see Palpatine walking to the ring right now. You know, like. With his hood on, like with his entourage, like you know what I mean. Like Palpatine's the champ. Yeah, and I, I wanted to stay that way. I think. Yeah, I get you, man. But I mean, at the same time, he was a little ignorant, you know, a little uh, complacent and overconfident, which was his downfall. Just like Luke said. Yeah, they so... all they all have that blind spot, right? Like, Luke, uh, Palpatine did not see Anakin returning because of love. He's like, what? He's like, but, but. He didn't. He did not think it was possible. He and he he taunts Luke with that all through the thro- uh, the throne room scenes in in Jedi. You like your father are now mine. Like it's too late for your father. All that stuff. Like he's a hundred percent convinced that it's only Vader in there. And same with Snoke, telling Ray that uh, I can't be betrayed. I can't be beaten. That guy over there is a fool. That Kylo Ren guy. Like I own him. All the while, the lightsaber's turning to puncture his gut. So that is the blind spot, right? These guys just don't—they uh, don't get it. It's right under it's their nose. They—they they, they just don't see that these guys can be can turn on them. Uh, so yeah, so I—I'm I, a little bit trepidatious about that. Um, and I guess I mean, what do you see for for Palpatine's future from a content standpoint? Like, do you if if he's if they just go through with making him the ultimate bad guy? From 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 the get go, this guy was always bad. Like, do we need more? To be honest, I think it could be really interesting from a writing standpoint. You get the right team, the right, uh, which Lucasfilm will probably do. Uh, yeah, I, I would go for it, but only again if it's from that standpoint where let's just build upon this evil character, like Lucifer, man. Like, you know, it's an evil show. Get that around your head right away. Like. If you're going to watch it, it's based around this evil character who, like, I, I don't want to see him humanized. But I think, yes, there are a lot of s- stories to be told there. Like, uh, you know, just for Carlos, too. Like, uh, I don't think it would really personally bother me if they didn't do it because we have gotten a lot of Palpatine content. But like you had just mentioned, Kyle, you know, he gets in the game in, what, his early 50s, maybe? Well, that's when we pick up with him in, in The Phantom Menace. Yeah, exactly. So... 
all those years prior, that's a lot of goddamn planning and putting your pawns and stuff in place to be able to get into that position, which could really tell a very interesting story. Well, and, so, and that, yeah, that's the question I have because I well, I do agree with you. Watching him put click all those pieces into place and us going, oh, look at him go, and how look at everybody so stupid buying into it. I, I he's don't like playing checkers, king me. <laughs> playing devil's advocate though, I, I don't know if that's enough to kick off what a series of novels or even a TV show. Like I desperately would like to see that sort of House of Cards type of, of show about Palpatine's rise. Desperately I'd love to see that because it would be so good. But would you need to see what would you need to do that just to reaffirm like you're basically reaffirming what you already kind of suspected that this guy's just rotten. You know, so the story would have the core of the story would have to be something else significant. Like you can't just be like look how, and look how actually how bad he was. You knew this already because you saw it unfold. Now learn how just how bad he was in his planning. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not, that's not terribly with... interesting. I, of course, I'd watch it. I mean, we're all diehards. Anybody listening to this would be like, uh huh, I want to see that. But this... it's got to be written like a masterpiece, man. It's got to be written like a complete shade, a hustle. You know what I mean? Like he's just got to be hustling everybody like in a big way, like. You know, like making heads turn, like even your own by the end of the episode being like, oh, bam, I didn't seem like pulling that move, you know? Yeah. Again, anybody listening to this, we we would all watch that and probably love it. But it, it takes more than just getting the hardcores on board. Like you've got to convince casual fans, like give them a reason to watch too. All right. So I guess just to bring it back around, like I am like, I, I, I'm afraid that if they got into a story, they would sully it. Only because it, it, when you look at what's going on in New Canon now, whether it's Lost Stars or uh, Bloodline, they did it as well, where they humanized the villains. They made you see things through their eyes, and you felt like pity for them. You f- like Lost Stars did a great job of it, and I I feel weird about sympathizing with the Empire. And so I feel like that's something that Lucasfilm is consciously doing, and I I wonder if they would make an exception for Palpatine or if they would follow up with that with Palpatine and that that scares me a little bit like I, I don't I don't want them to soften him him up at all yeah I get that I get that it's it's hard sometimes you know when you really when you watch the films there's at some point there's like so much death that you're not really realizing unless you really think about it and it's true like you know maybe some of these guys aren't necessarily all that bad <laughs> well like Asajj Ventress right she's another one that all through the Clone Wars it was like She's bad. She's just terrible. But then you read Dark Disciple and you come right around on her. And you're like, well, she's that's no way. Uh, in the Clone yeah. Wars, you come right around on her. I guess you you start. Yeah, especially with the uh, she starts making her own path. She's like, I'm done with all that. Like, I'm making my own like and she does the right thing for the most part. Like, yeah, she you're still right. plays... that final season. She was awesome. Yeah, she was sort of straddling. I mean, there was there was at no point did you think like she's a good guy now. You just thought that she, okay, I, I realized I've been played. I'm just gonna go do my own thing. Well, did, I don't know if you remember this cool episode. Like, I love watching this episode. It's so cool. Uh, I can't remember the name right now, but she's basically she's she pulls a train heist off with Boba Fett, who is the leader of the group. Uh, Bosk is there, uh, and there's like two other bounty hunters that we've never heard of before. And they're transporting a girl to like some king or whatever. 
you know, when her brother is trying to rescue her on these like centipede creatures and they're fighting them all off and she ends up becoming the leader of the crew. Anyway, like really good episode. Like you get a lot of insight on Boba Fett, her, uh, like that's when you really start thinking, okay, like she does kind of have a heart, you know? Yeah, no, that, that was great. But I'm, and then in, in dark disciple, they bring her right around, like to the point where a lot of people say like her redemption story is as good as it gets. So anyway, not to sidetrack our Palpatine discussion with with Ventress, but I I don't know. I'm afraid that that is sort of a, a running theme within Lucasfilm right now is is to humanize the villain to make you see things through through their eyes, and it, it can be interesting. I just hope they avoid it with Palpatine. I agree, but he is he is great. I mean, he's one of my favorite characters. He's just he's so bad. He's such a jerk. <laughs> All right. You you can't make him a nice guy. You can't. You just can't. Uh, All right. So there's our chat on Palpatine. Let us know what you guys think uh, about Palpatine. Hit us up in the Facebook group. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Have your say. All right. uh, Just to, uh, I want to say thanks. I want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters, our powerful friends. If you, if you're listening to this on our main feed, uh, on your iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using, you should know that you could have had this podcast uh, a while ago and get access to that early, as well as a bunch of our other podcasts uh, and a bunch of other cool stuff as part of our Powerful Friends program. So if you want to do that, if you want, if you want to learn more, go to patreon.com slash tumbling saber and, and the tiers start at just two bucks a month. And I, I everybody's got like that, that. That's couch cushion change. That's a cup of coffee. That's that's less than a happy meal. So go check it out. If you enjoyed what we do, uh, support us, join our community. All the powerful friends, I believe, would would vouch that uh, we have we're having a great time, and uh, the extra stuff that we're doing in return for your support is is well well worth it. So, uh, yeah, please check it out. We we encourage you to check it out and uh, and and become a powerful friend. All right, Corey, we are an hour deep, and uh, I've already I think we've already had a pretty good pod. But let's let's uh, let's not quit while we're ahead. Let's keep going here. We got some great questions to answer. I put out the SOS. To our community, and of course, as always, they came through with, with flying colors. So first up, we have our man, the Metal Mando, and he says, "Hey, Tumbling Saber crew, what if George Lucas gave Disney permission for prequel trilogy special editions to be released in theaters? We're talking about going in and adding, replacing, or subtracting special effects that would give them a more up-to-date look visually, and even use uh, the same treatment for certain dialogue. Or what if?" Disney were to take the original theatrical cuts of the OT and give them an official Harmy Despecialized Edition treatment of their own and release those in theaters. Which would you prefer and why? Some might want to leave things as is, but I forgot to mention that Disney will also be releasing an online poll for fans that will determine the outcome. Which will you select? Jeff Keltz, the Metal Mando from sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Dear God, that's a tough one, man. That is super tough. Uh, where? What do you think? Where are you going? You know, I, I like the disclaimer at the end there, just saying that they're doing it no matter what. <laughs> like, you know, like for the most part, I don't think they'd ever tamper with George Lucas's works for the most part. But uh, yeah, I mean, weighing them both—what a difficult decision, man! Like, this is a really good question. Uh, I think the OT's kind of been tampered with enough in a way. 
but it kind of would be really nice to see what they could do with it now again you know like take it back a bit uh, take out some of that special edition stuff maybe add some new stuff get some original music back in like you were saying you know a little yub nub (laughs) (laughs) i knew i I did i didn't know you, you would go there that quick but either way like i don't know just to see those movies again in theater is the the big deal for me it's something out of a dream I don't know, just that that's what makes it that much more difficult for me. But well, you know, you can always come over. We can do a VHS watch party one day. That would be pretty sweet, man, to hear the the whir and wind of the the VCR. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, I have to play with the tracking button to stop those uh, wavy lines. It's been a while, man. They might be all demagnetized and stuff. But probably. But uh, I don't know. When I think about the prequels. Frankly, I, I think it could possibly use a fresh coat of paint, so to speak. But in both scenarios, you have to go and weigh it. Like what they did with the special edition in the OT, like they didn't really necessarily modify the story all that much. I think the only thing was with Jabba that really kind of tainted things even more. But uh, I don't know, like if they could add a few things to that like they did. I think it could really help. Uh, I think they're speaking the same language from a digital and technical standpoint. So it'd be easier than uh, translating all that analog material. So that could be cool. I'd be super excited to see it again in theater as well. Plus it's its 25th anniversary is coming up really s- sooner than we think. For Phantom Menace? Yeah. 20th. Yeah, well, the well, 20th, but yeah, the tw- I'm talking about the 25th is probably like, what, five, six years out? Yeah, 2024 would be... The Phantom Menace is 25th. So there you go. It's, it's going to come quicker than we think. And they need about that, mon- uh, probably that much time. Uh, I, like Again, I don't want it to verge on a reboot. But I think they could really, with the staff that they have at Lucasfilm and Disney, I think they could really do things that would uh, do the story more justice. And, you know, again... Well, what, I, what would I, you do? What would you do to the prequels? Oh, uh, I didn't get into it that deep because, again, like I said, like when I start thinking it from that standpoint, it's almost like reboot, right? So, I don't know. Well, for me, like, like it, it was, it was. I went with um, updating the prequels. Like I, like some of the animated sequences and characters in Phantom Menace aren't aging too well, like, <clears throat> like at all. Like as as great as Jar Jar was at the time, you look at him now and you're like, it's still pretty good, but. Ugh, it's it's starting to not that's look you, so good. That's where you need to watch it on VHS. <laughs> you're you're right. You're not. You're totally not wrong about that. Like it's hey, it, he it's looks good really real. Dial back some of the the resolution. Like it's the better the the viewing technology gets, the worse you see right through it. Yeah, the worse that kind of thing looks. So yeah, let's let's do that VHS party. But uh, yeah, I would I would love to see an updated Jar Jar. Like they got a lot of the details right. The thought was all there. It's just. You know, that's they were only at a certain point like it looks cartoony in a lot of instances and i'll apply the same thing to certain sections of battle of geonosis like it just it looks like something out of the clone wars animated series in in some instances and i'd love to see that totally revamped don't change anything about it just uh update the effects the, the visuals like the computer technology has come so much further since then you know and camino ooh boy there's another one 
that's another place I think could use a, a, another good look at uh, with, with some top-notch experts. Like that place has got to get fixed up. Yeah, that's the thing. When you think of it from that standpoint, it's not like the actors can really come back at this point and do some scenes over, you know? So, yeah. It's like they're doing the Cloud City uh, remake. Yeah, makeover. like, I'm not, the chorus on sky, Skyline is another thing I think they could, or any, like, wide-out city shots, I think they could do a better job with that now. No question in my mind. Uh, but in terms of content... I wouldn't really touch anything in the prequels. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a film editor. I don't know. I would, I don't know that I would take anything out or say, Oh, I wish they would add something in. Like the only thing I know I would add is, uh, and it's more for a fan service thing. Cause it doesn't quite fit in the movie, but revenge of the Sith with the, uh, the planting the seeds of rebellion that I'd love to see back in the film, but it doesn't belong in the film. In my opinion, I think uh, they could have had more, I don't know how they would have can add it now, but more Sheev, Anakin talk somehow. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of that. Yeah, you get that one big one, you know, in Revenge of the Sith. But other than that, like, I'd like to see more of how like Anakin's descent in the films doesn't do too too much for me. Like, it's all very generic. Well, it but happens take, so fast. Yeah. So when you take other things into account, like the Clone Wars and stuff, now I love the character a lot more. I'm like, oh, man, my boy, Annie, how can you do this? You know, like you were a hero. But the the, the films don't necessarily portray him as such so well. Yeah. In that crucial moment, right, where he chops off Mace's hand. It's like, that's it. That that was the turn. Okay. I guess I need him. Yeah, like, I guess the more we get used to it, the more, like, the better it looks to me. But I, I remember at the time feeling like, well, that was quick. Like, you you went right around the dial. Like, we knew you had the, the dark tendencies, and we knew where this was going. So maybe, maybe it didn't have to be super well fleshed out, because it was inevitable. But some parts of it didn't feel entirely believable to me. But in, He in should terms have stayed of, where he was. He should have listened. Yep. He should have listened. Um. Yeah, like, if, and and for the OT, you got like you have to update Jabba with the the, the Jabba that was added to A New Hope. That's got to get fixed. Even like the the original ninety seven version was laughable then, right? That that was terrible at the time. And then they updated it for the Blu Ray version, I think, in two thousand eleven, and it's much much better. But it's still clearly and quite. Uh, it's not awful, but it's it's still not great. Like the size is to me, it's off. I'd like to yeah, see him take another another stab at that. Uh, yeah, so I mean that's it, that's a big thing. Otherwise, they I shouldn't would, have never done it, man. They should have just left it as is. Granted, they had the footage. It's, I could see it being super tempting to them to want to use that. I, I agree. I don't think the movie gains anything by putting that scene in. No, not at all. Was it? You think it was done just? For the like the, the the extra boba shot. Ooh, look there he is! No, get Jabba in there as well. Like for sure, that was like back in the like Jabba's gonna be in this too. You know, like like how are they gonna do that? And like the original Jabba dude with that like furry vest that he was wearing. You know, like just some peddler dude. Yeah, he looked like Friar Tuck. Yeah, <laughs> he just wasn't gonna cut it. 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't... Uh, there's not a lot to the OT that I would do. Like, I'm content with... As as bad as some of the things are, that they're not aging super well, I think there's more benefit to updating the prequels than going back and, and jerking around more with the OT. But then again, you got to think, it's coming back out in theater, right? I would love to see a re-release not like of either film, but... Oh, man... I really want to see the OT in theater again. I'd like to see both in theater again. You will. I mean, for New Hope's 50th, you don't think they're going to put that in theater? Oh, Christ, they better. Yeah, so, I mean, another thing I would do in Jedi is is revert the Sarlacc back to its enorm- its its regular form. No beak. I'd, I'd get that out for sure. Oh, yeah. That was not not cool. No, I, I thought that was totally unnecessary. It's just remain the succubus. Or the other thing that people call it. Uh, <laughs> Empire, I wouldn't do a thing to it. I, I think that the changes to Empire were subtle and perfect. The, I think the only thing I would change is is that line that they added for Vader. Where he said, in the original, it was just, he just growls, bring my shuttle. After he loses Luke, bring my shuttle. Perfect. That was short, angry Vader. He's He's right to the point. Now alert my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. Uh, clunky much? Like that? I thought that was a needless change. But uh, otherwise, I think Empire is perfect. I, I wouldn't touch it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I, one thing I wish they would do, like the most radical thing I wish they would do would be in A New Hope, and I've talked about this before, is uh, ex- do, do, do your CG magic and just shoehorn some good shots of Anakin, uh, Vader, and Obi Wan fighting. I, yeah, I'm that'd sure, be cool. I'm sure a lot of people by now have seen that uh, that Vader and Obi Wan fan film. More on fan film stuff in a minute. Um, it's an entirely CG battle between Obi Wan and Vader on the Death Star one, but and it looks great. It's it's more dynamic. It's opened up. I would like to see them replace shots with that. You know, I still understand that fight, you know what I mean? Like, even though Vader was this beast, right? Like, that, like could have, you see him in Rogue One, you see him in Rebels, and he's, even though he's kind of like this clunky warrior a bit, you know, but he's still quite fast and agile. But at the same time, meeting Obi-Wan, he has to be shaken a bit. Like, this is the guy who just lopped off three of his limbs not too long ago. He hasn't seen him since. Like, what's this guy doing here? Like, he was probably a bit timid at the same time. You know, he, he was really just testing the waters. And then Obi-Wan's just like, yeah, like, okay, go for it. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a, the last few hours for Vader to that point. Of, like, he's he's felt Obi-Wan's presence for the first time in, in almost two decades. That coming had, in like, a like, hyperspace over him. Tatooine. Yeah, and that, exactly. That's the first one. Like, exactly. Uh, Back to all tat- coming full circle. <laughs> Things had to be like firing in his brain. Like, what is going on? He had to have felt something in the force at the during that time. For sure, he's like, "Oh, this is where I've foreseen this." Yeah, um, yeah, that's it, man. Like, I, I think I would, I would update the prequels. I think they stand more to gain at this point than by uh, by tampering more with the OT. And I, I'm, I say the same for for 
not so selfish reasons, you know, because uh, I believe it's the one that fandom needs and it could use some more sprucing up. Well, well, that said, Disney makes the poll. What do you think wins? Disney throws a poll out there and says, we'll do whatever the fans want. We will. We will. Ooh, we'll, that's a good question. We will recanonize like the Harmy special editions. We'll make those canon. We'll, we'll take out the special editions and replace with these or our versions of these. Or we can fix up the prequels. What do you, which poll do you think wins? Oh Christ! I think we should put that out there. Like now, I'm curious. Oh no, don't. <laughs> it, that will just spark a lot. So many dumb arguments. But yeah, I, I, th- I think I like think the OT a... wins going away. I think so too. To be honest, unfortunately, I think the, I think the OT people. I think a lot of uh, middle-aged people like us would uh, would would default to OT and just say, "I want the old ones back." Yeah, the, you got to really weigh it. That's the thing. You know what I mean? And that's that's why Disney will never release that poll because they're not going to walk back George's vision. True. Ever, ever, ever. So while I think we will see, I don't know if we'll see all the OT in theaters again. I think uh, for the fiftieth in twenty twenty seven, I'm, I would bet my last dime that uh, we'd we'll see a new hope in theaters again in twenty twenty seven. Oh man, that's gonna be even, awesome. Even in a, in a limited run, two weeks only. You know what I mean? Like that would. For sure, that for sure they're going to do that. I'll live at the theater for two weeks, taking vacation. Yeah, <laughs> buy fourteen tickets every day. Uh, all right, so Mister Metal Mando, there you go. I think I think we're pretty. Yeah, we're resolute on that, Corey. Prequels. It's, we're, not, the, it's not the film the fandom wants, but it's the film the fandom needs. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. The prequels need to be cleaned up a little bit. All right, Jeff, thanks, man. Uh, feel free to write in any time. All right, let's move on to Rick, Knight of the Commonwealth. Rick writes this week, do you guys have a favorite piece of fan fiction? Like any fan films or webcomics, I'm particular to the fan film duality, and there was a webcomic about the A-Wing that brought down the Star Destroyer in Re- Return of the Jedi that really struck a nerve, although I can't remember the name. Let's hear what you got. May the Force be with you. Uh, well, I'll, I'll take this one first, Corey. Like, I don't really follow fan fiction. I never really have. And not that I'd have anything against it. Um, I, I just don't take... I, I just don't take a lot of it in. You know what I mean? Like, I just... Power to you guys. Go make your fan films. Have fun. Uh, I probably won't watch. And uh, even the same applies to Legends. Like, I got into it in a big, bad way. Um, but even when I was into it, I kind of knew that it was not canon. Like George Lucas was not, not that he wasn't down with it, but he's like, I'll, I'll overwrite this anytime. Like I'm not beholden to this. And so I, I could only at best ever get half invested. And so you knew, you knew star Wars wasn't over man in your heart of hearts. Well, sure. I mean, it's, it's yeah, but you know, I, I'm, I'm reading all these post Jedi stories in, in, from the EU and I could only ever get halfway into it because I knew that they probably weren't going to stand the test of time like if george wasn't committed to these stories then really neither was i and i i guess that's i don't know i don't know if that's fair or not but yeah that's that's how i felt with that and so if, if that's the way i felt about like officially licensed star wars stories fan fiction had a hell of a uh, of a hill to climb uh, but that said uh bucketheads you know, that, that's one fan film that I've had a lot of interest in because of how it's connected to our, our pals at Gen X-Wing. 
so that you know that's a really really good one so if you guys are looking for a, a cool fan film that puts you into the mind mindset of a rank and file stormtrooper i would really recommend that it's it, people love that film like it's it's doing really well in in those circles uh so check check out bucketheads um and of course there's there's troops right like the original <laughs> great uh fan film i love troops everybody loves troops it's it's just it's just so funny um what, what do you got Corey? well it's kind of funny you mention all those things because basically i have bucket heads as well for the same reasons as you like you know rob williams uh coming a part of the 501st these guys put a lot of heart and their soul into this project like i've seen a lot of it uh yeah i don't know uh that would be a start like but i'm on the same page as kyle like i'm just i have a hard time sometimes when it's not canonical like i think it's really cool that people put their their star wars passion into, into these projects and i'm sure there's a lot of like decent ones out there and i try i'm thinking have i ever read any you know like i googled some i didn't see much i saw some awesome like Raylo stuff whoa pretty, oh that, yeah, uh, yeah was uh, like, but troops too like if anyone hasn't seen that like google that troops it's like a cops parody it's it's actually really well done it's pretty funny that was that's old school well yeah like if, if anybody younger out there is listening and you have not that's like pre-internet or, man like oh, you had yeah. to order this thing you got this dvd that had like i don't know like 28 weird different things on it and like one of them was this video yeah i remember my i think seeing it for the first time on like cd-rom something like that like it was just so low res it was terrible <laughs> it was perfect but it was it was yeah it was so funny it's it was like the original fan film and I was almost like at that point, I'm like, this is so good. Like, I'm just going to go with this. <laughs> um, yeah. Well if, you, well, if you want to look at it like this way too, like fan films, I mean, technically, if you want to say that Spaceballs is a fan film or a spoof on Star Wars directly, not necessarily the genre of sci-fi, like it's directly in and of Star Wars, you know? Uh, you so, know, I'm disappointed that we didn't get anything substantial for Spaceballs 30th a couple years ago. Yeah, they came out with a, a new DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. But did they do a 30th anniversary? I think so. Yeah. Or was it? Did they do it for the 25th? I can't remember. Yeah. Ah. I, I, I like. I still would like to see Mel Brooks take on a sequel. He's um, getting on. Did you see that uh, that newest fan film that everybody's talking about from Star Wars Theory? That, that Vader fan film, the one that caused such an uproar. Nope. Again, it's it's <clears throat> like it's really well made for a fan film, uh, but some of the chatter surrounding that that fan film is is just absurd. But uh, again, like the the investment of time and money, and the passion involved, it's it's admirable. It's great. Uh, so like, go at go have at it. Like even even Star Wars now, Lucasfilm recognizes like the fan film community. They have the fan film awards, so they're out there. They're they're listening. You know, um, well, just, yeah, here's one for you. Like like you were kind of saying, Kyle, with the whole legends thing as well. I, I'm on the same page as that. It's almost like in the back of my mind, I was like, I know this isn't the way it necessarily would have went down. And it's like there was just something not right about it. Like you know, like I, I again read quite a bit of it as well to a certain point, but one of them in particular always kind of rubbed me the wrong way such a juicy 
part of the timeline and chronology of Star Wars, especially the Skywalker saga. But Shadows of the Empire, like we had a video game, this this book that came out that was like this big deal. They made a big was, deal of Shadows of the Empire. Huge yeah. deal. Toys, toys, power yep. of the force, toys. Like we had a whole bunch of them. I had the swoop bike. Uh, sure. They had, they had, um, what is it? Like it, the outrider. The outrider. Also, I want to say the even slave slave one, I think was, was part of the shadows of the empire line. Yeah. Prince Sizor, like that whole thing, like that's as close to Canon as you can get. Like when there's toys and video games based upon the subject matter, like, uh, like I know you can granted, you got all these other ones with like Darth Revan and stuff or Ravon. Ugh. Ravon. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I just feel like that one is one that slipped under the rug. Like that time period too is really juicy. It's like a, I think it's six to nine months between uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi. Lots got to be going on. I don't think they explored Lando's part of that mission too much, which kind of pissed or peed me off. But uh, there's some cool stuff in that one, like Luke's transition to becoming a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Like for the for the amount they invested into that, like it was it was a huge success at the time. But now it's like, I don't know how people still feel about it at large. But looking back at it now, of course, there's there's like the sentimental part of it. But it's like, ooh boy, a lot of this stuff is just weak. Like Dash Rendar looks like a Rob Liefeld character. <laughs> all the pouches and all this stuff. Like oh god. Like it's like they needed the scoundrel because Han was off limits. Obviously, it's like it's it's Marty McFly meets uh, <laughs> what the, God meets Cable. <laughs> That's what he was. He looked like a lot like Cable. Uh, so yeah, now you go back to and I I don't know if it's aged particularly well, but there's even a soundtrack. Like you can buy the soundtrack for that on CD. It's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff, man. Uh, yeah, Family Guy, Blue Harvest, too. Bit of a spoof and play on not necessarily a f- eh, it's kind of i mean seth MacFarlane's a huge fan of yeah, star wars those guys are all huge fans uh but like just like the true blue fan film like you and me going out there making a movie that kind of stuff <clears throat> again have at it but it's it's not quite for me unless someone says check this puts it in front of my face and says check this out i'll gladly check it out but otherwise i do not seek it out like almost ever yeah i kind of have to agree sadly there's yeah. just so much stuff out there. Well, that, that's that's just that's that's it, really. It's um, yeah. I I, I just have limited time, and I I, I choose to uh, put the canonical in front of my face rather than anything else. But I, you know what? It, I do have some additional fanfic in my inbox. I, I forgot all about this. It's been sitting there for a while. I filed it away in a different folder, but this question brought it back to the fore. Some, and we, you know, of course, we read some fanfic on Sith Disturbers last week. <laughs> <laughs> Would it please you to know that I have three more stories from Mr. Matt Keegan? What? Oh, what? Surprise, everybody. <laughs> Would you like me to read that here and now? Uh, yeah, man. Anytime when it comes to Kigo. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I'd be here all night. But uh, no, I actually have three stories from Matt that he sent me a while ago. And he goes, hey, man, like. Get these out there. Do 
do something cool with them. If whatever you want to do, I'm down with it. And I, I filed them away and I completely forgot. So Matt, I'm sorry, dude. Uh, I, I reread the stories. They're so cool. And I, I will get those out there. I'm, I'll put them. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to put them just yet, but just We're gonna know, make a movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll turn them into a movie. Uh, no, I don't know that it would work that way, but uh, they're really good. It's it's three short stories sort of based around the Battle of Hoth. Uh, so yeah, from Mr. Matt Keegan. I'll, I'll get those out there so you guys can read them. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Rick, if anything, thanks for that because it reminded me that I have I have some work to do to get some of Matt Keegan's really good stuff out there, not, not the PTSD stuff. All right, so uh, lastly, but certainly not leastly, we'll wind up the show tonight with Mr. Grabs Granite, who writes in, and he says, As a huge fan of Neon Numb, I've never understood how he is so overlooked. He assisted in blowing up a Death Star, helped attack Starkiller Base, and survived through The Last Jedi. Yet somehow he doesn't get the respect Wedge Antilly does doing less in movies. My question is, which characters do you feel don't get the credit they deserve? Which get too much credit? And finally, do you think a non-human character will ever get a standalone movie? Thanks in advance, Grabs. Uh, let's let's uh, we'll tackle this one by one, Corey. And first of all, uh, Grabs, good job with the Nia Num love. Like this guy, this guy, it's true. This guy's gone all the way from the OT to the sequels, and we all love him, but he's so under the radar. That's not necessarily true, Grabs. I'm so on the same page as you. I know of your Nian Numb Love, and I asked a similar question. Uh, it could be more than a year or two ago. I don't know. But I said the same goddamn thing. So what's up with that, man? Like, this guy's a survivor. Like, I was so surprised to see him in TFA and to know that he's still around. And even in the comics, man, like, he he survived. You know what we like, needed he's to still see? Around. You know what we needed? I think really to, to cement it, we we should, we should have seen his face on a, in a ski speeder attacking the uh, ATM sixes. Oh, that would have been sweet, especially yeah, if he survived. Like imagine how tense he would have been seeing Nia Numb out there, huh? Oh, 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 just laughing, <laughs> <laughs> flying around out there, uh, thinking that okay, they killed Akbar before. Are they gonna Are they gonna shoot down Nia Numb in a ski speeder? I wouldn't want to see that, man. You finally would have felt something for this guy. Oh, dude, I'm down with Neon Numb. I'm so on the same page as you, Grabs. Good on you for loving this guy and for calling this everybody out. Picture this, Grabs. We get this episode nine. We get Lando and Neon Numb back at the helm of the Falcon. Gotta see that. Chewie, ground mission. Well, maybe Neon Numb makes it into like my my in my head. The final shot of the film is still uh, Lando and Chewie in the cockpit of the Falcon. And I guess maybe Neon Numb can be with in there with them. Uh, and it's it's punch it, Chewie, and they go to jump to light speed, and that's the end of the saga. No, they need another mystical campfire. <laughs> Neon Numb's a part, a big part of that on Endor, the forest moon of Endor. Ah, oh, not a not a mystical campfire. <laughs> but no, I. W- no lack of Ian Numb Love here. Uh, so who who does not get the credit they deserve? I'll say like pre Disney, I would have said Chewie, the original snubby. Like not getting that medal on on Yavin, that was uh, egregious. Dude, that's still uh, I posted this. Oh Christ, it's a while ago now, but it's the pinned tweet 
on my Twitter feed, my five-year-old <laughs> called that out. Like, first time watching A New Hope was like, why is Chewie not getting a medal? <laughs> like, Ridiculous. what's up with that? Yeah. Absolutely stupid. Um, so, yeah, he was definitely disrespected the most. And I, I, the, I, Of anybody, I think the Disney era has done a lot to boost Chewie's stock. Like he's he's had a big role in in TFA and Solo especially. I think Solo has done a ton for Chewie's character. Yeah, that guy's so lovable, man. Come on, he's everybody the, loves Chewie. Uh, who who does not get the credit they deserve, Corey? Well, there's one in particular, but we'll, we'll dance around that one for a bit. But uh, I'll throw Count Dooku out there. Yes, very Just good character. I love that guy, man. Like he he's done some pretty crazy stuff as well. And, you know, granted, he turned to the dark side, but there were reasons for this. Again, probably the wills of the force and all that stuff. But uh, no, like he was kind of sensing that the Jedi didn't have it right, per se, that their dogma was their downfall. And he was right. But unfortunately, he succumbed to the dark side. Yeah, well, yeah, there's reasons for that. Like he was he was all disenfranchised. Did, Did you know? I can't remember what what story alluded to this. It may have been one of the Age of Republic comics that he and Jocasta knew were a thing. Oh my! Oh my! Like, what would their couple name be? Like, Duke. We need to ask him. Duke. We need to ask Rob Wade. Oh god! Like that's a frightening thought. <laughs> Nanook. But yeah, no, they're they're oh. <laughs> Isn't that the name of the dog in Lost Boys? Yep. Uh, yeah, I Dooku definitely not enough respect. He's a and I don't I don't know if that was just because Christopher Lee was what seventy eight or so when he did Attack of the Clones. Yeah, he did a great job, but uh, some of the editing with the lightsaber fighting kind of threw me off a bit. Like he was what just off. so impressive. Like he commanded your attention on screen. The, the voice and his costume was great. Master Yoda. Like, I love that. Like, when you think about it, we don't see him until you're like two-thirds of the way through Attack of the Clones. And he's done within 20 minutes of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, dude, he takes on Obi-Wan and Anakin. Twice. Tony lops off Anakin's arm, too, man. Like, even Anakin was like, looked at his arm and was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like... You know, of all of all the we've talked about this before, like of all like the weird stuff that goes on in Star Wars and the things that give people the cringe, that fight where Obi Wan takes two superficial flesh wounds and then is down for the count, laying like prone on the ground, taking a nap for the rest of the movie, that to me is like the most cringeworthy thing in in basically all of Star Wars. I don't know, Padme falling out of that uh... the bucket. The Republic fighter there. Oh, I can live with that a thousand times over. Like he, he gets Obi Wan gets two superficial wounds, and he's like phasing in and out of consciousness in the same spot on the floor. Move! Isn't he like trapped underneath that thing? No, that's in Revenge of the Sith where he drops the. Uh, the no, Dooku pulls the, uh, the that tower down on top of Do- yeah. uh, Obi Wan. No, Yoda catches it before he does that. And tosses it aside. But yeah, he's you know, he's just laying in the middle of the floor. And he's awake. It's like, crawl out of the way. Get out of that. Just move. It's like, Anakin, just play dead. 
<laughs> Do like me. Just lay there. Look how effective this is. He's not touching me. He's like a hockey stick in the middle of the ice, like that someone dropped. What do you do? You kick it out of the way. Obi-Wan, move, you idiot. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe we should put Obi-Wan in the gets too much credit pile. <laughs> uh, no, I won't do that. Uh, okay, no, so, I'm with I'm with Matt uh, Salvatore on that one. No, I love not, him. not necessarily the best, but uh, Obi Wan's a great character. He's got a, he's got great. flaws and he made some mistakes, but he's he's a tremendous character. I foresee you will become a great Jedi Knight. Oops, <laughs> swing and a miss. That's not true. He was the greatest, one of the greatest of all time. Definitely top five. Well, doesn't he say? When does he say that to him? It's Revenge of the Sith. He goes, I, I, yeah, you'll be far no, greater than Dave I ever. Eason. I'm talking about uh, Qui Gon says it to Oh, him. okay. I foresee you'll become a great Jedi Knight. Okay, I thought you were talking about Ewan McGregor saying, or Obi Wan saying it to him at Re- Revenge of the Sith, where they, I think at their parting scene where they last see each other as pals. He says yeah, something to that. Scene. Yeah, it's like, well, this is goodbye. And oops. <laughs> uh, all right, who gets? Who else gets too much credit? Like, I okay, well. I, too little credit. Too, yeah, who gets? Well, yeah, you you still have more in the uh, too little credit. Oh yeah, well, I was gonna say another one, Qui Gon. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Christ! If you've ever seen the Lost Missions, like the Force chose Qui Gon to learn how to become a Force ghost, because he was such a outside the box thinker. Like him too. He was Dooku's apprentice. Well, he's Dooku. That... That character is aging well. Ah, oh, yeah, he was um, not necessarily like uh, plagued by the Jedi dogma, right? Like he thought outside the box again, like thinking like Dooku. Dooku turned to the dark side eventually, but he probably taught Qui Gon. Like th- there's some interesting stories to be had there between those two that are hopefully going to get flushed out at one point. But you know, like. There's part of Dooku in Qui-Gon. And I, I really like that dichotomy. Yep, like I sure. think it's really interesting. Yeah, because when when we go into the prequels, I guess we had the mindset that everything the Jedi say or do is right. And so here's Qui-Gon bending the rules, not going along with it. So he must be a bit of an attitude. Like he's got to be a bit of a head case. But the reality now as we as we get further out from the prequels and we were analyzing this over and over... He's right. He was right. He like, was follow your instinct. Follow your nose. His he is probably the closest, or was at the time the closest to what a Jedi should be. So imagine, I imagine future Star Wars movies to have a lot of Qui Gon spirit. Well, and number one for me, I think we touched upon this earlier in the pod, but a lot of people don't give this kid credit, especially uh, one Carlos Candido. But uh, Ezra Bridger, man, Blueberry Bridger, this kid, again, Palpatine was this close to controlling reality. Like, and he took down Thrawn. Thrawn is arguably uh, as powerful, more dangerous than Tarkin or Vader. Whoa, dude. How many beers have you had? Maybe I won't say Vader. Yeah, will take Vader out of the equation. That one back. Yeah, but <laughs> guy's a really super dangerous character. 
super smart. Like if there were a holy trinity of bad guys, aside from Palpatine, Palpatine being the father of this trinity, Thrawn is right up there. And for Ezra to be able to take him out of the equation, foil the Emperor's plans, and just learn that one last lesson, like a man in man up, and the way he did it, it just gets me every time. And it just goes so overlooked, the significance of the whole entire series, like what the ghost crew really meant to the rebellion, in a sense. Yeah, like, I mean that's they're I guess they're victims of being sort of part of uh, animated yeah, culture. It's 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 niche con- content, but o- only it, a subsection just, of Star Wars fandom knows their story. It's so perfect and so good, and I just love it so much, man. Like, I just think what they did that with that story over the course of its four perfect seasons, like it was short, it was sweet. The whole entire crew, that that whole entire crew does not get enough credit. Like, yes, the Rebellion existed, but in a fragmented way. And they are really the ones to bring that to the fore. Like, yeah, they played, Ezra, they played an important part, no doubt. Yeah, like Ezra, man, that 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 speech he gives in, was it like a uh, spark of, no, that's like fire across the galaxy, I think. Like they, that, they, they jam that, or they send that transmission out on that radio tower and it's like the entire galaxy hears another bridger transmission from his voice and like it's so beautiful and perfect man like and that's where it really starts to come together and ahsoka's like i'm getting back involved like i just love it man like that whole entire series crew gets not enough credit and when you look at ezra compared to luke skywalker the stuff that ezra was going through an orphan kid, like the works, man. Like he had everything going against him. The fears, the trials, the tribulations that this kid faced compared to Luke going to the Toshi station. It's yeah, all like for sure. It's Gary, it's Gary Busey style. Like I was taking shrapnel and Kaysad while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing <laughs> it in your face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Ezra well, there's, there's that the joke, uh, that meme going around. Well, it's, it's an older one now, but it still checks out. Um, it's Jyn Erso. Like, what Jyn Erso was doing on Scarif, and it's, like, pandemonium, and what Luke was doing at the same time. And it's... Yeah, him... he's, like, flying a skyhopper. Like, no, he's, like, head. eating that, like, paella. Out of, <laughs> like, Aunt, Aunt Brew's paella or something. It's it's uh, it was, it's a hilarious thing, because it's true. Like, Luke's doing nothing while the galaxy is, is burning around him. Yeah. It's, ex- it's he... the exact same thing. Yeah. It, you're right, too. Jyn Erso's another good one, too. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move into the uh, overrated section or the people who get too much credit. And let, let's be careful. Like, I, I want to issue the, the disclaimer that just because I or you or anybody thinks someone is overrated, it doesn't mean that I or you hate them. Right? Like, we live in this world. We yes. live in this world now where it's like, if I say someone is overrated, well, that must mean I hate them. No, it just means I think they're we maybe joke, a little overrated. So, uh, like in this case. You go first. I, I think Admiral Akbar is completely overrated. Let that sink in for a sec. All right, so there we go. When so like when you think about the things he says throughout episodes six, seven, and eight, like he is the Star Wars equivalent of Captain Obvious or Captain Exposition. Like, yes, we get it, Admiral Akbar. We know it's a trap, and we know your ships can't repel that firepower. You know, like all that stuff. It's 
Like, you don't have the weapons to penetrate Starkiller's shields. We get it. Right? Like, everything he says is kind of useless. Like, we know, we know what you're saying. And so, like, the, the, the talking point of Akbar getting... Should have having uh, should have had the <laughs> the honor of doing Holdo's sacrifice like that that pushed me over the top. So there, like suck it, Admiral Akbar is overrated, uh, but I bet he tastes great. I, I knew you were gonna go there because it's obvious. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't want to bring him up because yes, we we don't have enough stuff surrounding him. But again, taking a look at the Clone Wars, you look at Akbar and he's like. I don't know, there's this, there's this one, like, three-part arc where, like, the prince of Mon Cala is just, like, trying to take, become a man, kind of, and Akbar is, like, right there supporting him all the way, you know? Yeah, that that arc and also uh, Burning Seas, I think, is in the uh, the Star Wars ongoing title. It, 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 gave, us, it gave us more at Akbar, and it, I think, or maybe it was in the Vader series. Anyway, they kind of cra- crossed over, but it gave us young uh, young Akbar again, and it gave us a younger Radis. It was, it was, it was saying, though, super cool. The uh, the whole Captain Obvious thing, but you you gotta appreciate the fact that he is where he is because he's a huge leader. Oh, for sure, like I get the story, I, I understand, but just why take- are you getting down on on Admiral Akbar? I thought you said you liked him, Kyle. <laughs> Oh God! See, there you go. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. That's why. I, that's why I put the disclaimer. Because I still love Akbar. I just think a little too much is made of him. And it was it was the whole Holdo thing that put me over the top, saying, God, "Come on, you break." It, it, that, that's not necessarily true because I wish he would have gotten a bit of a like. They did throw it out there, like even Admiral Akbar got like wasted. You know, well, sure. Like I could, I. It would have been nice to see him either either survive to nine. Or or have like a, a a better death where at least you get to acknowledge his death rather than just oh wait I guess he's dead huh or maybe that was the point that we you feel it just he's gone holy crap this is we could have seen is, him like flapping around in that control room though like running around on fire no like when like at least <laughs> trying to hang on for for dear life I, whatever I mean again. We're getting we're getting upset over somebody who just spouts pure exposition. I hate you. <laughs> anyway, what yeah, smells okay. so good in here? Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh, that's good stuff. It's the grilled Moncala, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Grab your bibs, everybody. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this one. This again, like Kyle said, like I, you know, this is one of my favorite characters, but. I have to say Wedge, too, in a, from a certain light. Like, Nian Num, so overlooked. He's a survivor. He's still sticking around. And where's Wedge? We don't know. <laughs> but, you know, he, he did his thing. Okay, he's a survivor. He did the, the whole original trilogy. But even the first one, you know, like, he gets shot. And he's like, Ugh. And Luke's like, get out of here, Wedge. You can't do more good back there. All right, bye, guys. He's like, sorry. (laughs) That's what he says. Sorry. He's like, no, you can man up and be a man like the rest of them and be a human shield. I was going to say. That's what the rest of them do. Pretty much everybody else. Like, yeah. Biggs had to go and be a human shield after that. And they all did. Line up and take your lumps, Wedge. Yeah, you're the last in line. You're the guy who's shooting. Like, we're going to hold them off. Like, dude, you should have pulled the brakes and took it, taken out like three of them. 
Yeah, hit the air brakes and yeah, exactly. Take them out. Let them slam into you. Yeah, you should have done something crazy. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe he's Canadian. <laughs> Sorry for getting shot, guys. Sorry, eh? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, also overrated. I mean, do we? Mace Windu. For for his significance in the film, he, well, he's, I don't know if he's. I don't for, think he's a fan favorite. I don't. I think he's a fan favorite. I think he's an idiot. Yeah, me too. He's totally ignorant. He's like the most ignorant of them all. Like just the way he's like. I love the way he was in Tartakovsky's. Uh, yeah, Clone yeah, Wars. He was, he he was, was cool so powerful and well, wise. He was, he was. I mean, highly stylized. I get it, but that there's one one short where he just takes out like an entire army by punching them. Yeah, without a lightsaber, that's so amazing. Ah, it's like this huge storm. So, like that was like that's 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 that was nonsensical. Even that to me was like eh, a little too far. I loved it. It just put him up there on Yoda level with me. You're like, okay, now I get why you're Mace Windu. Like in this series, it's like okay, he's just like sitting on that thing, like with his arm up. It's the arm up and the nonchalance that's just like I don't think that's possible. Yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, he was he was Sam Jackson. He's he's chilling out. Yeah, like too much so. Like just like. No, no, no. He's like, I'm Maze Windu. Like, that shit, like, that's not happening. <laughs> and I'm just like, really, bro? Like, come on. Like, open your eyes a bit more. Like, yeah. he, he, was, he was the guy that just seemed so, like, no, no, no. Like, granted, again, the Clone Wars. I do not him. think the Sith could have returned without us knowing. Oh, really? And he's so cool about it. That's the thing that really makes me angry. It's not like he sees any dire, like, but like Qui-Gon's telling you, like, <laughs> I just faced off against <laughs> like one of them. Fake you know, like, fake news, Qui-Gon. Yeah, like Qui-Gon, like been watching Fox again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. Uh no, I, I don't think he's overrated. I just I I just think he's an idiot. I think a huge part of their fall was is uh because of him. I think if he had been a little nicer to Anakin, maybe Anakin would have thought a little bit longer about chopping off his hand. That's true too. It's a big part of it. Like he got in Anakin's bad books from day one. No, yeah. he will not be trained. Dude. Like, what? You just stole me from my ma. Yeah. Like, are you put me back on, on Tatooine now? Like, come on guys. So right, like right off the hop, he, he kind of sidetracked himself, put himself in Anakin's bad books. Uh, he could have bought his way out of that. By like, you can be like, okay, like, let me out of here. Just give me like enough for public credits. I'll buy my mom back. I'll be on my merry way. Yeah. Uh, all right. Who else? Who else we got? I mean, Boba Fett. I mean, I think objectively he's kind of overrated based on what happens in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like just super cool armored guy. Like Vader singles him out specifically, which makes him even cooler. And then, you know, George's plans for the Mandos and him being involved kind of like, uh, yeah. And like to, to say that it's overrated, it's not to say that he's terrible or useless. It's to say that, man, a whole lot of stuff came out of, like, no disintegrations. Like, whoa, that guy must have a serious attitude problem or, like, serious uh, penchant for violence. <laughs> right? Like It's just the, the best of the best. Like, again... The Clone Wars for the, like the third or fourth time, 
paints this character in such a cool light. Like you see this kid growing, that he's abandoned, that he's hurting, that he's talented, that, you know, like he wants revenge. He's torn. Great character, man. And to become the top dog against Cad Bane, like the, pretty much one of the greatest of all time. Like, I don't know. Like, again, he gets too much credit in the film because the film, he has zero screen time and just gets hit in the back with a staff, which like activates his jetpack and <laughs> like, it, it's, a, it's a big joke, but I want them, I've said this before, I want them to elaborate on that joke, make it funnier for me in the sense that his, he's so much grander than we understand. Yeah. Well, it's really the death, right? Cause they, they didn't know what to do with him. Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and he just dies by accident. So, not to, again, not to say he's he's a terrible character because he's not. It's just that, yeah, there's 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 a whole lot played up about this dude, and I mean they're slowly building him up and and justifying all that. But the way he goes, and then, well, I guess I mean the way he goes out is not really the way he goes out because he survived. We know he survived. He's going to be back at some point. Uh, so I don't know. For now, he goes in the overrated pile, and but I expect him to sort of walk out of that too. Uh, underrated. I'm going to go with Sabe. We did. We did underrated already. Yeah, no? I know. I'm throwing another one. I, I got another one. Sabe? Sabe. I think uh, she's the Kira Knightley uh, handmaiden. I think she's going to be a rad character going forward. I think we're going to learn a lot about her in Queen's Shadow. She takes, she takes one for the team. Oh, you know who? Overrated. Here's another one. Lobot. Oh, he's right where he should be. Does nothing. Oh, dear. Doesn't say anything. You read that Lando comic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fine. The, the, it, again, uh, it's hard to contextualize because if you go on a long enough timeline, we're going to have these this backstory for everybody. But yeah, I think uh, I think Lobot is fine. Like whatever, he doesn't impact the canon at all. I mean, until until that that Lando series, whatever. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna say Shmi Skywalker also underrated. I know I'm, I'm jumping all over the place now before I lose my train of thought, but like she was, she was able to let go of the one person that meant yep. anything to her. Everything to her. Yeah, like the only reason for her to be alive, really. I mean, she had nothing else. Like and her like her to me, her brief story is is really overlooked. And you know, she's not the focus of, of the saga. And I guess it's also because she's in the mostly maligned The Phantom Menace. But she was doing the things that Yoda was trying to get Anakin to do with regards to like letting go of your attachments. She let Anakin walk. It's it's you know, it, it it's tragic. Because, like, Anakin, I guess he, he became so skewed from his upbringing with Shmi that, like, his mom could see her son slipping away from her, but she'd let it happen, right? But then Anakin sees impending doom, and instead of following Yoda's teaching, or even the way his mom was, he actively resists the, the, the doom, and like, I guess in doing so becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy. And he, he, he brings about what he's trying to avoid. If he had just like looked to his mom or listened to Yoda, that doesn't happen. But I, I think Shmi for that, for that standpoint is underrated. I agree. Yeah, that was super duper hard for her. 
lastly, I'm I'm gonna overrated. Revan, Ravon, pick a side jerk. How dare you? Pick a side jerk wad. There's no such thing as a gray Jedi. Just stop. What about the Je- what about Jedi Prime? Are you gonna tell him? Who's Jedi, who's Jedi Prime? I don't know. Like you see him on the the floor of Acto. I hope we find out one day. Yeah. Well, until we do, uh, I can't comment on on Jedi Prime. Uh, yin and Yang, man. Re- no, Revan, get out of here. Bah. You're so bad. Now get out. <laughs> it's okay. Like okay, look at Ezra again. The only Jedi we ever know to have been able to open a Sith holocron. Yet, by the end of all this, like, he's very much a Jedi, not a Sith. Like, yes, he's dabbled a bit. The kid's been torn. That's why I say he's so underrated, man. Like, the kid opened a Sith holocron, a Jedi holocron. He merged them. The kids did everything, man. But, like, to be able to do both is a very uh, gray area. I'm gonna I'm gonna get yelled at for the for the Revan thing. That's okay. Uh, lastly, do you have any more? I'm done, man. All right, so la- grabs last question here. Will we ever see a non-human leading a standalone? Uh, I think it's very possible. I think we're there. Uh, it's got to be a lovable character. Like, um, I don't think you're gonna get away with some like oozy, gross, like kind of sloppy character unfortunately i think there's been a lot a few other films at this point where you know alien based uh humanoid yeah that's it it's it's you're not gonna get a blob no it's not gonna be some it won't be prune face it won't be uh ponda baba type species it's not gonna be any of that like it's gotta be something that we as it's people it's not gonna be your poor man's chewy me and numb <laughs> that, that's what i heard i saw an article like about that because I was like doing a little research for the question, and it was like, "Need numb the poor man's Chewbacca." I was like, <laughs> "What?" Yeah, like it's it's gonna be. Uh, I think it's. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really torn on this one. I'll say doubtful, but it's like a fifty-one forty-nine type thing. I I'll say a slight no, but it, it and it would have to be like you said, a humanoid, a, a Twi'lek, Togruta, something where the face is clearly very human. Yeah, like in Ahsoka, yeah. Yeah, Ahsoka, Hera, like so- something like that from that species, a Pandoran, who knows. But it, it, yeah, it's got to be something where you, we can com- completely relate and understand the emotions coming from the face. Like Avatar. Sure. Let's never speak <laughs> of that movie again. Uh, and again, like the, it would have to be a character that can speak basic or English, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, that's if if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be that type of character. Like there would, I don't think there would ever be a, a Chewbacca standalone movie. Yeah, and I don't necessarily maybe see them being the the absolute lead, but definitely like up there, like, like a, a Bosk standalone. Never happening, right? Nope. But I could see him having a big part in a film. Oh sure, like but he's not. He would never be the lead. Like, we'll never get Bosk a Star Wars story. Yeah, not happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's happening. I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty secure saying that. Uh, okay, dude. Two hours here, man, and we uh, I am done. <laughs> I am spent. <laughs> I am spent. 
<laughs> I wasn't feeling super hot going into the show, and uh, now I'm, I'm super tired. But that's going to do for the week. Uh, grabs and Rick and Jeff, thank you guys so, so much for, for helping us out here this week. Much, much appreciated. Uh, and if you guys out there, if you want to send your questions in and be a part of the podcast, you can do so. Send us a question to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Or if uh, you're in the Facebook group, you can DM me a message there or Twitter. Uh, just uh, send me a direct message. And I got to say thank you to Rob Wade from Emotionally14.com for endorsing this episode of the podcast as part of the prestigious, globally known E14 Endorsed program. So check that out at Emotionally14.com as well as the other E14 Endorsed shows. And did you know that Mr. Rob Wade has also written a book? That's true. I've read it. It's good. It's called Assorted Thoughts About Podcasting. You can find it on Amazon. And if you are an aspiring podcaster or... um, if you're already a podcaster, you know, buy the book. It, it, it's it, a buck or something like that. It, you'll, be, you'll be done reading it under an hour, and it will help you to refocus your thoughts and uh, get your podcasting journey going. So check that out. Is there a chapter on uh, drinking and podcasting? I, I hear that Rob highly discourages it because, uh, yeah, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> Uh, and also, I would be remiss, as I usually forget, but I won't forget this week. Check out our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth Network. We're going undergoing some changes there, and we're evolving, as we always are. But we we continue to have a great, great stable of podcasts there. Check it out, uh, StarWarsCommonwealth.com, or you can look us up on iTunes as a podcast provider. It will lead you to all the shows that we currently have on our roster. Don't forget, Sandcrawlers just joined us. So yes, want, sir. And they're on a brief break. So it's a good time to get caught up with them. Maybe check out a few of their back episodes. And uh, so that when they get back to pres- publishing fresh episodes, you will uh, be very familiar with Mac and Dan. Uh, with all that out of the way, where where do uh, people find you on social media? Well, guys, I want everybody to join our private Facebook book group at, uh, what is it, Tumbling Saber on Facebook? Yeah. It's a just, closed group? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's It's so fun, like, just the crew in there is just so great. And uh, for the most part, like, I haven't been too active lately, but I am still out there and listening. But find me at Chop Rules with a Z on Twitter, baby. And you can find our friends. You can find Carlos at C Candido Music on Twitter. You can also find his Patreon campaign over at patreon.com slash Carlos Creates. Uh, look for Michelle. She is at tediously underscore brief on Twitter. And you can also find her on Instagram where she's super active, doing the best Instagram work out there. And uh, for myself, you can find me across the board. Corey mentioned the closed Facebook group. I really, really encourage you to come join us there. Uh, Otherwise, I am on Instagram. I actually posted for once. It's amazing. And you can find me on Twitter at Tumbling Saber. And also, of course, our Patreon campaign. If you liked this podcast, uh, if you found this at all engaging, informative, entertaining, then come check us out on Patreon, where we have a whole lot more ready for you to dive into and more to come. So check it out, patreon.com slash tumblingsaber, and we hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. Episode 160 is now in the books. We're going to catch you again all next week in episode 161. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me. Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see.
心。